Okay. Now, Acts chapter 9. Now, um, what I'm going to do this morning is, uh, you may recall, that Pastor Werner is is, uh, preaching through Acts at the moment and he preached in chapter 9 last week and he concluded at verse 19. And so, I'm going to pick up from verse 20 this morning and um, it's not something that would usually do but it was something that was prompted prompted by the Lord and I called Pastor Werner and I said, look, I just want to make sure I'm not going to trample over anything you may be doing or wherever you're heading. And he said, no, whatever, as Pastor Werner does, whatever the Lord puts on your heart, you bring the word of the Lord. And so that's what I intend to do this morning. So um, uh, it's interesting because as I was looking at this text, as uh, Pastor Werner was preaching last week, I recalled to my mind how when I was first a young Christian, maybe with six months I was probably saved, and where the church I was in, they would, um, the young guys would get up and they would, as part of their development and stuff, they would get them to do, like, preach ten minutes um, from the pulpit, uh, not in a church service, but just in a separate meeting. And, and so the pastor nominated evangelism, and so he said... Um, you know, he gave us the text and he gave me this particular text and he said, um, I want you to preach from here. And so, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. And so, <laughs> but I did bring out something in the text and so it was based, this was probably the first, this text was the first message I ever shared. Uh, uh, it was a 10 minute little sermon. And so, probably it'll go a bit longer than 10 minutes this morning. But um, uh, the Lord, I pray will bless us through the word of the Lord this morning and in doing so that we would be inspired, we would be empowered, we would be challenged, uh, maybe even convicted, I don't know, but uh, I pray the Lord would have his way in our hearts as we consider uh, the words in this text and some of the things that we're going to consider throughout uh, this message. Now Saul, who is uh, Paul the Apostle, he becomes very much an example in so many different ways but especially in relation to evangelism. And so there's a particular word. Last week, Pastor Werder made emphasis of the word suddenly in relation to Paul's encounter with God. Well, there's another word that I want us to focus on and it's in verse 20. It's immediately. Immediately. And so let's read our text. Acts 9 verse 20 and 2 verse 22. The Bible says immediately, this is Saul or Paul the Apostle as we know him, Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that Jesus is the Christ. Now, this portion of text emphasises what happened immediately after Paul the Apostle, or Saul as he is known then, had an encounter with Christ 
And uh, once he was um, uh, healed from his blindness for three days, you'll remember that he had those scales and Ananias was sent to him and laid hands on him. And the Bible says uh, in verse 17 in the previous verses that he was, uh, the scales fell from his eyes and he was filled with the Spirit filled with the Spirit. You see, that is the key component and that precedes what we want to look at, being filled or uh, empowered of the Spirit, which uh, then caused him to immediately preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, this is the pattern, really, as it always works. What is the first thing a person does when they experience the reality of Jesus Christ? they immediately tell somebody. Amen? You can't not. How can you keep it quiet? You just can't. You can't put a a light under a basket. The first thing you're going to do is you're going to tell somebody. And so so it's it's an immediate response to having been saved and encountered God's love, his power, his mercy, his forgiveness. And the first thing you're going to do is you're going to tell somebody about the reality of Jesus Christ and what he has done for you. And this is exactly what Paul the Apostle is doing. And he's doing that, but also uh, you must understand the circumstances that surround Paul uh, in that obviously he was persecuting the church and he was on his way um, to (coughs) Damascus to have them chained and all the rest of it. Now all of a sudden it's like there's been a radical 180 degree turn in his life uh, and now all of a sudden he's immediately standing up and he's proclaiming the Christ that he was uh, persecuting. And the Bible says immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. So Paul's going into the synagogue amongst the Jewish community and he's taking the opportunity there to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, Paul is filled with boldness and that boldness that he has that's prompting him and empowering him to preach the gospel, it must be understood that this is not something that was in Paul's uh, nature. I know that he had certain, he was very self-confident, I understand that and compared maybe to other people and things of that sort, but uh, let it be known that the scripture says in verse 17 that he was filled with the Spirit. This was what enabled him to do what he was doing and uh, really this is the principle behind all evangelism and that is uh, that the Spirit of God was ultimately given to us uh, uh, for various functions and purposes uh, but one of these primary things when we talk about being filled with the Spirit and the baptism of the Spirit has to do with being a witness for Jesus Christ. It is about being empowered to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, to whomever and wherever Amen. And so we know this, and I'll just, uh, again, this is not, this is very simple message this morning, but one that I just want to bring to our attention and familiarise ourselves with within its context. But you see, Paul immediately preached the Christ, and in, we find that him being filled and empowered with the Spirit is exactly as God had purposed it. And we understand that before Jesus ascended, after his resurrection, he was on the road to Emmaus and he's uh, talking with uh, Peter and, uh, and the other apostle and all of a sudden uh, we know that he says in his closing remarks in Luke's Gospel, verse 24, uh, to uh, verse 46 to 49, 
Uh, he says, you shall uh, receive power from on high. You shall receive power from on high. In actual fact, maybe we can go to it, Matt, in, um, in Luke 24, uh, verse 46 to 49, and just see the words that Jesus is emphasising. He's saying that when the Holy Spirit comes, uh, you shall receive power from on high. And he uses a particular phrase there again, um, uh, verse 46, chapter 24, verse 46. We'll get there. Then, uh, where am I? First, is it verse 46? I'm going to go there in my Bible, that's it. I think we'll just head straight there. Is it in 49, is it? Luke 24, verse IS. So verse verse 48, we'll see. And you are witnesses, you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endured with power from on high. You see, Jesus is uh, clearly, when we talk about the filling of the Spirit, this is exactly what we're talking about, power from on high to what? To be a witness. That witness is a martyr uh, to the point where one is even prepared to lose their own life. And that has been the testimony of the church uh, from its conception where people have died for their faith. And so, but the reason why one can do so, you think about it, gosh, how could I possibly do it? But it's because, amen, of the Spirit of God that is in us that enables us and empowers us to do so. And so in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, again, the same uh, uh, um, uh, thing is emphasised through Christ when he says for them, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria and unto the ends of the earth. But there it is again, dunamis, the word power, and witnesses. And so this is exactly what is operating in Paul the Apostle. In the context in which now he's in verse 17, he's filled with the Spirit, then immediately he preaches Christ. He is the, the Christ. <coughs> they are Pentecost. That's exactly what happened. They tarried in Jerusalem and the Spirit came. And who preached the first gospel message? Peter. Now, was Peter, we look at Peter and think that he was Mr. Bold, but really he was a little timid, uh, little pipsqueak, really, wasn't he? Because we know that he was the one when push came to shove, he denied the Christ three times. And yet here it is in a matter of what, 50 days? He's now, he's now standing on the day of Pentecost preaching repentance at, of sin to, uh, to the Jews. Why? Because he is filled with the Spirit, he's uh, power upon him and he's preaching Christ. This is what it's all about, church. We understand that in the natural human element we have fear, intimidation. We are inadequate. We are absolutely. That's why Jesus said, wait. Just wait because tarry in Jerusalem till you receive the power because we need the Spirit of God in us to accomplish the work of God. This is the pattern. Acts chapter 4, verse 29. You can see it again. Uh, you'll find that uh, the, the Jews are, uh, are under immense uh, uh, threat of persecution 
and they are in fear for their lives. There's a resistance that's going on. And so what is it that they pray to the Lord? They don't say, pray, God, just get us out of here. But rather, they pray in verse 29, and the scripture says, they say, Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. And so it is there that they begin to preach. And it says in verse 31, And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. This is what's at work in Paul when he stands immediately to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, we're not to be intimidated by men. We're not to be uh, discouraged. We're not to be fearful but rather, amen, if we would just, like these, call upon God in our weakness, God, amen, will fill us with his power so that we can do that which we are required to do and that is, like Paul himself, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not to be ashamed. You see, in verse 21, uh, in Acts, it tells us that they, the crowds and those Jews uh, all can, looked at Paul and they, uh, they considered and they're looking at him and they're saying, wait a minute, what's going on? This is the guy that was persecuting just a, a couple of days ago and now he's preaching the Christ. And uh, it says uh, that they, they were all amazed. Amen, because that's what God does. Amen, they, they look at people's lives when we get converted and people around us are amazed at what has happened. You know, even when I was first a Christian and who I was and then all of a sudden I encountered God and I'm immediately preaching Christ to my family, uh, to my friends uh, and to my work colleagues at KFC and, uh, and here I am, this long-haired, blonde-haired loser and, uh, and all of a sudden, totally non-religious and now all I'm talking about is Jesus? Like, they're like, whoa, they're, they're amazed. But, that, but it was the gospel, amen. It was the, the Spirit of God in me that was empowering me to just do what I did and I didn't care that they thought I was stupid. And I'm sure many people did, as you can no doubt relate to what I'm talking about. But let it be so, as, as uh, Sam said, you think I've got crutches? Good, you need them. <laughs> and so... <coughs> They were amazed. But you see, Paul's not intimidated because look at verse 22. It says, But but Saul increased all the more in strength. He increased. Amen. He didn't withdraw. He didn't, you know, cower. He didn't step back. But the scripture says in light of of, uh, how they were looking at him and what they were saying about him, he didn't start feeling all insecure, fearful and intimidated, but the scripture says, no, he was strengthened more and he increased in strength more and and began to uh, preach further in that power. And so really this is how it works. We're to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And when we're met with with the powers of darkness, when we're met with opposition and all of these things that want to silence us and cause us to close our mouths, we can't because we must obey God rather than men. Can you say amen? Paul was strengthened. Now, what's interesting and what I want to bring to your attention before we shift from here 
is Paul uses, or the scripture uses, two particular words to describe what Paul was doing as he preached Christ. And in verse 22, there's, there's two particular words. One is confounded and the other is he proved. Now, these are very interesting words when you consider because it gives us an idea uh, or an understanding of how we are to go about preaching the gospel in various instances. And so, it's not always the case because sometimes you can simply just preach Christ. But there's other instances as in, within in the situation with Paul. He was going into the synagogue. He was dealing with the religious people who had an understanding of uh, the Old Testament to some degree. So, he was having to work with that in order to show them that Jesus is the Christ. And so, this word confound is quite an interesting word because it means to throw into disorder or to perplex. And so in other words, what Paul was doing, he was confounding the Jews as he was being filled and empowered by the Spirit and he threw their understanding into disorder. You see, they were resting on their understanding of the Scriptures. They thought they had it all boxed up, worked out and they had a complete understanding of how it all works and where Jesus fitted into it. But you see, Paul, he was able to use the Scriptures in such a way that he was able to undermine their understanding and he was able to throw into disorder their thoughts about what they thought they knew, the confidence that they had in those Scriptures and the understanding that they were drawing of it. And so he confounded the Jews but it didn't just end there. The, he, he got them obviously to question what they understood but then he says, the Bible says he then proved to them that Jesus is the Christ. Now we'll get to that word proved in just a moment. But in, with, just to further establish this idea of confounding or to throw into disorder to, uh, their, their thinking, this is what we have to deal with, especially when we're dealing with people that are bound uh, in religious, false religion. Or they, have a, a, you know, they might have some basic understanding or deep understanding of the scriptures, but they are totally deceived in what they understand. So the, the ability that we must have is to confound them by showing them that what, they, what they're resting in is false. We have to d throw their thoughts into disorder. And really this is what Paul the Apostle was, was constantly doing. In actual fact, when he would deal with the false teachers in, in 2 Corinthians, this is exactly the principle that he puts forth uh, when he says uh, in, uh, <coughs> in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3, you know the scripture here, and this is its context. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 3. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Even though sometimes we get into those uh, debates. He says, but for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And so, in other words, uh, Paul is saying that, that, that as part of our spiritual warfare, we have the truth uh, and the truth of the Word of God and the ability to use it in such a way that we can cast down arguments. 
and strongholds. For our, and this is part of the spiritual warfare that is involved in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we have to sometimes dismantle their thought pattern. We have to dismantle and throw into disorder how they're thinking and what they're resting in. Resting in. And this is exactly when the scripture says in Acts that Paul confounded the Jews. This is exactly what he's doing. And then the scripture says that he then proved to them that Jesus is the Christ. Now that word proved literally means to drive together, to unite, to show, to teach. So he's, he's dismantled their, by confounding them, their, uh, their understanding of Christ, the Christ and the Messiah and then he's used the same scriptures to bring Christ into focus uh, and, to, and to prove that Jesus is the Christ and to, is, uh, to, uh, uh, to drive together their thoughts. And then it's, it's, like, and then it's like the penny drops. I can see it. And this is exactly how it works or how it's meant to work. And this is what Paul is doing in being filled with the Spirit and in preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and being a witness for the Lord. And so, this is the challenge to all of us. You know, you know Paul, when it says immediately Paul preached the Christ, you know, we read Paul's epistles, but he didn't have a full knowledge of everything he was preaching at that moment. He's a, he's a guy's only been saved for a few days. He, he, he preached what he knew. And when we become Christians, that's all we do, don't we? We preach what we know. We just preach what we understand of the Christ to, to those around us in whatever the, the, the relevant circumstances is and God, he uses us, amen? That's how it works. But I want us to look a little bit further. I want to look at one, as, one, other, one other aspect that the Bible uses to describe a witness for Jesus Christ and it's found in 2 Corinthians. So if you can turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And a familiar portion of scripture has been referred to this morning. And there are two particular words that I want to consider with you and focus your mind upon. It's what we call or, uh, the ministry of reconciliation and being an ambassador for Christ. An ambassador for Christ. So let's look at verse, chapter 5, we'll look at, uh, verse, we'll start at verse 17. Now, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now, like I said, in the fact that we are, like Saul, like Paul, to preach the gospel, Paul would later show us in his epistle to the, to the church in Corinth that we are actually ambassadors for Christ, that we are actually being given by God the ministry of reconciliation. 
And so this is really important because this is not something that just relates to the minister uh, or those in, you know, uh, in ministry as such. I mean, we look at in verse 18... Uh, where, uh, where it says, Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. He's not talking about there the ministry of reconciliation. Somehow that's the, you know, uh, the eldership or deacons or whatever, else, or whatever else. He's talking about we as the church and those that are in Christ, we have now been given by God a particular ministry. And we are all called to that ministry, regardless of our place in the body and how we serve the Lord. We are all called to be a witness for Jesus Christ. We are all involved in the ministry of reconciliation. We are all involved and are all are ambassadors for Christ. And this is very important because it teaches us some things this morning. Scripture says that God reconciled the world to himself. And he did that uh, through the death of Christ Jesus uh, and he, as he gave his life a ransom uh, for all. Amen. And uh, the Bible teaches us uh, that we have uh, God purchased uh, or, uh, our ransom through Christ Jesus and in doing so he reconciled the world. Does that mean now that all the world is automatically saved? No, it does not. Because we still understand that though Jesus has bore the penalty of sin and the enmity has been removed, and uh, but till man is reconciled himself to God, uh, he cannot. God may be reconciled to men, but man is not reconciled to God. And so this is the issue: is that God is, uh, is uh, through Christ has reconciled the world to Himself. Man is invited by God to be reconciled to Him. That word "reconciled," mind you, in essence, all it simply means and represents is that those that are in at, at, at enmity with God can become His friend. And so, you know, we were we because the Bible clearly teaches us that we were enemies of God in our sin. We were alienated from God. Yeah, God uh, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But don't forget, man is under condemnation. Man is under uh, 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 God's wrath. uh, And so so the invitation of God is to be reconciled to him. In Romans 5 verse 10, let me read it to you. It portrays what we're talking about. It says, For if when we were enemies... We were reconciled to God. All right, when we were enemies, we were reconciled through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled. Hallelujah. See, saying the same thing. We shall be saved by His life. And not only that, but we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received the reconciliation. So there it is. God has done what He has done in Christ. He has reconciled the world to himself. He offers men and invites men to be reconciled to him and the scripture says that this, uh, this whole process is fulfilled, listen to this, through you and me because God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Now this, uh, is, a very, uh, this is a very privileged uh, responsibility that we have and we must understand. He's given it to us. And really, you think, why would God do this? Why would God go to such a point? And, uh, but it goes even further because in verse 19 it says, uh, 
that he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. That means even, that's a, not only has he given it, now he has committed it to us. And that, is, that, that word committed means he's placed it into our hands. That we bear the responsibility of this ministry of reconciliation. And when we think about that and as we begin to, it, it dawns upon us, we realise that, that there is a huge responsibility that, that, that has been given to us by God. I mean, Scripture says, how shall they hear without a preacher? God has chosen not to preach the gospel with the wisdom of words, amen, but to preach Christ and him crucified. God has chosen the means of preaching. And how does that do? It's, how does he do it? Through us. You and me. We have been committed the ministry and the word of reconciliation is in our mouth. That's why it is a very, very sacred responsibility that we bear. Now in verse 20, the scripture says, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. Ambassadors. And so we've all heard that term and we probably understand what it means. But for, our, uh, for, for understanding's sake, let's just uh, um, bring it out in the fact that we are, as it, means, it simply means a representative. We are a representative of God. We are ambassadors for God. But let's look at it in more detail and understand it. We, as, uh, we live in Australia. We have the Australian government. But the uh, Australian government across the world in nations has what they call embassies. And those embassies are, 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 are led by um, uh, diplomats who are called <coughs> ambassadors. They are ambassadors and so Australia sends ambassadors to our embassies in various nations to represent our interests in that particular nation, to, 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 to represent and work on our behalf and represent us to that particular country. And so there is a huge responsibility that's placed upon them because they're not part of that country. They're living in there and they have been given a responsibility and entrusted by the Australian government and we have what they call high commissions. So that's what these embassies are called. Number, another word is a high commission and we have the high commissioner who's representing. And so in this context we understand the kingdom of God when it says that we are ambassadors for Christ and so that we are in the world now but we're not of this world, are we? and we are representing God and the kingdom of God and the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, amen, and, uh, and uh, we don't have so much an embassy, but we have the word of reconciliation, God has given it to us, he's, we, he's told us what the message is, uh, and uh, we don't have a, a high commission, we have the great commission. And the great commission is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, and so we begin to realise that God has committed this commission, this charge, this responsibility. He has placed it in our hands. It goes further than that. <clears throat> Look at verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God. Now think about that because, you know, we are in effect God's voice. We are his hands and his feet. 
And so where we go, we are to take the gospel with us. We are to take the word of reconciliation with us. And then listen to what it says, as though God were pleading through us. You know, when we're sharing the gospel, when we are proclaiming Christ, we are being filled with the Spirit and empowered to do so. We are literally vessels. We are instruments that God uses and it is God pleading through us and he's pleading through the word of of the reconciliation of the gospel that we are bringing, he is pleading through us to the person that we are sharing the gospel with. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that just so unique? And yet, uh, in light of that, uh, it also says, uh, Paul says, we implore you on Christ's behalf. That word implore means to beg. To beg. And uh, be reconciled to God. And so here, we have an understanding of what this ministry is. That God is in us, pleading through us. Then we have the grounds of this reconciliation in verse 21. For God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's the message we preach. The cross of Christ. Be saved, be justified, be declared righteous, imputed with righteousness that is from God because Christ died for sinners. He died for your sin that you could be forgiven and cleansed and declared righteous. That's the transaction. That's what the reconciliation is. So it's coming from enmity with God, which is the sin. Sin is removed. We exchange it for the righteousness of God and now we are the friend of God. Hallelujah. And so it's in light of that this morning. It's just a simple message. Like I said, there's nothing you know, profound and deep within it but it's just a message what the gospel is. As Paul immediately preached the Christ. And so sometimes it's just, it's just a simple message. You know, John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And we can share Christ in the most simplest way. Sometimes we come across people and, uh, you know, and their understanding of things and we're going to have to confound them. They're going to have to throw into disorder their, their mindset and the way that they're thinking about God and their understanding of God and the scriptures and, and the practicing of, of false religion and so forth. But, we, but God can teach us. He can make us skilled with the word and that you can prove that Jesus is the Christ. And so when we do that, they'll come to a revelation as God pleads through us to them and in the hope that they would come to salvation themselves. And we see that that's how the gospel works. Amen. Through the word of the Lord. We just preach the simplicity of Christ. As we go about our day-to-day experiences, whatever it is, our workplace, our work colleagues, family and friends, witnessing here and there, street evangelism, missions, all of these things incorporate this aspect of the ministry of reconciliation and fulfilling our ambassadorship for the kingdom of God. But isn't it interesting that Paul, who understood this as he wrote these things, he said, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel because I've been entrusted with a stewardship. And really, those words apply to us all. And that is not to bring about and motivate us by guilt, 
it is to just demonstrate in light of what we have seen in the scripture that God has committed it to us that we have been given the great commission that, we, uh, that God has left it in our hands and placed it in our hands that we would realise <coughs> woe is me if I don't preach the gospel because Paul says I've been entrusted with a stewardship and really that's what we have been entrusted with this morning, amen? We have a stewardship from God. We have the gospel, the message of reconciliation, the word of reconciliation. We have to declare it. It doesn't matter where, when or how, but let us preach Christ and him crucified and let God work in and through us, amen, to lead souls to salvation because we want to be fruitful, amen? I would love, you know, in light of everything, the greatest joy in the Christian life is leading someone to Jesus. It really is. And so Isaiah, we know the story in Isaiah 6 and God says in the vision, who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here I am, Lord, send me, send me. It's a matter of presenting ourselves as Sab spoke about this morning. Present your body as a living sacrifice. Not my will, but your will be done, Lord. Because we can get caught up with our things to the neglect of the greater things. You know, in eternity, what we do in this world doesn't equate to anything, but what we do in relation to this, what we're talking about this morning, means everything. And so we must live with this view. We must operate with this view in mind as we go about our lives. And my prayer is that that we would not be so caught up that we would be neglectful of these things. And if you are intimidated or you say, look, I find it hard, I'm fearful, uh, I can't, then that's okay. We can pray for you. Be filled with the Spirit. And you can be filled with the Spirit. And you can go from this place and you can be empowered by God's Spirit to stand up and preach Christ like you've never said before. That you've never, like you've never done before. And I tell you, you will be surprised what God will do through you. And though there will be, there's always going to be people that will uh, ridicule you and they'll mock you, but that's okay. You, Bible says, rejoice. And be exceedingly glad. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Be, that's the way it works. But you know what? There's going to be someone that's going to listen. God's going to plead with someone and their eyes are going to be open and God's going to call them to himself. And if we could play a part in that, God, God use us this morning. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you this morning for the word of the Lord. And I thank you, God, that what we need is not, Lord, um, we don't need to be so much trained. I mean, we learned, we learn obviously how to be a witness, but at the end of the day, God, we just need your spirit to empower us. And Lord, you don't need polished vessels, God, you just need obedient hearts. And Lord, I pray that we would be a people that would be about this business in our, in, from day to day in the various ways in which you provide those opportunities. But Lord, let us take those opportunities. Let us make those opportunities. God, as though you were pleading through us, we are to implore on Christ's behalf to people to be reconciled to you. And Lord, I pray that you would work through us to glorify your name, to save souls, Lord. We pray that for us individually and corporately as a church. God, we ask that you would bless us in Jesus' name. Amen.